nothing is quite like watching a Blue Jackets Penguins game for me. Um, I'm excited. I'm standing most of the game. Every moment of it, I'm just on the edge of my my seat and my nerves on what will happen when they win. I'm as high as I can be when they lose. It, it feels like my soul has been crushed. And and those games are just have that extra something in it for me. Now, if you're looking for a way to get that little extra excitement in any game or or you're wanting to look at a way of, of saying, hey, I think I understand hockey better than, than other people, and you want to look at turning that into a little bit of cash, uh, we've got our friends here at the, the Hockey Podcast Network at mybookie.ag. Now, the guys at mybookie.ag, they give you so many ways to win, so many games to play, everything from obviously picking winners and losers to picking division winners to picking who's going to win a cup or just prop bets like who's going to score the next goal, all sorts of stuff. MyBookie has the best payouts and better odds than a lot of sports books do. You can risk a lot or as little on as many games as you want, so it really fits what you want to do with it. Now, And with Christmas around the corner, there's daily gifts, free plays, free spins, a lot more on the site there. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. That means if you deposit $100, you'll get an extra $50 to play with. Deposit $200, you get an extra $100. You get it. Just use the promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, THPN, to activate the offer and take advantage of this great deal. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get money. This is the Shoot Once Podcast. I'm Frank Walker. Welcome back to the Shoot Once Podcast, a proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm excited to have a show tonight, guys. I'm excited to talk to you about everything that's going on in Blue Jackets land. So, so who was it? Uh, Allison Lucan put something out on Twitter, uh, kind of referencing herself when she was talking on their their show, the uh, Front Nationwide, about you know, oh, if this team's you know shooting percentage can at least get back to average or whatnot. And it was in terms of uh, charting hockey. Put out some tweets showing that the Blue Jackets now had a perfectly average shooting percentage in the league. And how it's corresponded with the Blue Jackets' rise through the through the the standings, which is just incredible. And I'm having those thoughts of my own now because I'm thinking back to the beginning of this season and having those conversations of is this team good? And now we are kind of definitively getting yes, this team is good. This team is competitive and very good. And it's it's. It's a it's a stranger thing that that I think a lot of us expected. So jumping into, you know, before we get to that, I, I there's a, a couple of things I just wanted to, to mention before we get into the normal setting of the show. I, I'm starting to come to a realization of some things, and I I don't know. Uh, all year, Blue Jackets fans have been debating the merit of this uh, this season motto or the season slogan. Now, most of the time, these slogans have very little to do with the team. There are things like uh, back back in the early days of the team, there was Ignite the Night, and there was uh, I don't know, different things regarding marching and and different stuff like that as far as the, the slogan for the season. This year, it was something very different, and there's the really cool uh, hype video they made with it uh, that Yarmo Kekalainen does the voiceover for, which with him saying it, it sounds great. Um, but anybody else saying it is is kind of strange. But is that that saying of "Out of our blue, we rise," which is 
an interesting statement because it's weird. It, it is a weird thing to say. But I've started to see with other things how it might make a little more sense than what I think some people have have put it to be. And I don't even know if this was the original intention. It just struck me. And maybe maybe it's because I'm on Twitter where most of the people are younger than me that they didn't think of this because it's very much kind of an older saying. Um, but I'm sure you'll all recognize it. The old adage of somebody being a true blue. Like, oh, you're a true blue friend. You're, you're a true... You know, you're so there was this. Uh, so we, I started looking it up online, just trying to get an idea of the etymology of it. And apparently it has something to do with remaining loyal to the king of England or something. Uh, the idea of being true blue and it has to do with loyalty to a cause or a person or something like that. And the more I think about it, the more I think, well, maybe that's what they were talking about in this. And they there was a big emphasis on loyalty. Um, but. I've also and I've also seen people say, "Oh, well, it's you know, we can't build a whole thing around loyalty to our team because this is pro sports. Other people will leave. Other things will happen." Well, what it could be, and and again, this is just me thinking, it could be a reference because something else that being true, you know, you're, you're true blue. You could be true to a cause, and. You're blue. It's it's a reference to the color of that that resolve. It, I don't. Again, it's strange. It's weird. It's antiquated. Is the 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 real phrase for what it is. But if the cause is winning, if the cause is being the best team you can be, I I don't think that that's much harder to argue with that anybody who left Columbus did it to try and win. Uh. Columbus, the of the two of the the three teams, the three big players that left in the off season, Matt Duchesne, uh, Matt Duchesne, Artemi Panarin, and Sergei Bobrovsky. Again, we I'm giving Sergei a little more of a pass because the Blue Jackets are never going to meet his contract demands. But again, if the question is what's your ultimate commitment, is it winning or is it is it the money uh, or being in a certain place? Well, none of the teams they went to looked like they were going to looked remarkably better than the Jackets last season. This season, easily, none of them look like they're, they're better than the Blue Jackets. I mean, the, the closest one maybe you can make an argument for is Florida at this point because of where they're in the standings. But at the same time, the Blue Jackets have beat them two out of three games and are above them in the standings without Artemi Panarin. Uh, Panarin's the one I will give this the hardest to because it ha- it, it, it's his devotion, as it has been shown, was not to winning. Now, I'm not, again... This isn't a character evaluation of the man. This isn't me trying to tear him down. It just wasn't about winning. Because if it was about winning, I mean, Columbus was offering him a bunch of money. And, you know, if you're talking about just by monetary status, he would have had, you know, the the amount of money that New York is paying him. If he was being paid it in Columbus, it goes a lot further in Columbus than Ohio, Ohio than it does on the East Coast. But if that's what that commitment is to, is to winning and being the best team you can be... I can see that all of a sudden that that out of our blue we rise makes a lot more sense. Um, that this is a team that is devoted to winning. That is their primary goal and their primary objective. And it's and a lot of this is, is romanticizing after the fact maybe, but you kind of see it with the fact that they just keep marching guys out there. Guy gets hurt, march somebody else up. Now now it's McInnes' turn to, to replace Alexander Wenberg. And what do you do? You just keep playing and trying to win. Now, part of this, from what I'm understanding, is the Blue Jackets organization is now 
it seems like it's reached what it really should be in that at the AHL level, they are trying to instill the same ideas and strategies and everything that they do at the NHL level. They are trying to call up guys based on who has earned it, not whose contracts are what or what makes most sense for the team as far as the salary cap. Uh, Today on Timeout with Torts, Bob McGilligan was talking with with Torts, and they asked about the process of what do you determine when you bring a guy up. And it's interesting that apparently some of the earliest information comes from Cleveland. Um, The guys in Cleveland, the coaches there and the and people there will make a determination and say, hey, these are the guys who we think deserve the chance, who've been playing it and deserve that shot. And then Yarmo and Torts get together, and Yarmo gets together with other people on his team to say, okay, who's going to make the best fit? So it is that devotion to winning, not contracts playing outright or this, that, or the other. It's about winning hockey games. So if you think about that as that's what the blue is, it's that it's that devotion to a cause. It's that devotion to winning. And that's what they'll rise out of because they have such a determination to do it. It's kind of a cool, it's a much cooler slogan. And for Blue Jackets fans who've been Blue Jackets fans for a long time, that's really heartening because for so long the problem with this team was culture. And again, I know that the real analytic stat heads, heads, some of them don't like the phrase culture, although a lot of them anymore will say, yeah, the stats tell me a lot, but they don't tell you everything. But that culture of guys going to work expecting we're going to do what it takes to win. That's what my expectation is. That's what my level is. That's where I'm at on this. So that's that's my little soapbox on that. So with that being said and out of the way, let's jump into Dom Lachuzian standings. One of the things I like about doing this Thursday show you guys get is a lot of Wednesdays the NHL just has a couple of games. So... What I'm looking at isn't, you know, the refo- the reflect the the results of this Wednesday games aren't going to be a big deal for the Blue Jackets here. Dom Lashusian has got the Blue Jackets up to a 69% chance to make the playoffs. Nice. Um, has them projected to hit 98.9 points for the season. This is where, first of all, if you're in the East. I saw somebody bring this up on Twitter, and it's just incredible to think of that it's entirely possible a 100-point team misses the playoffs in the East. If that happens, that's just bizarre. That's insane. Um, I mean, in the West, to kind of give you an idea, what is it? If the Blue Jackets were the Blue Jackets at 67 points, if they were in the West, they would lead the Pacific... They would be five points back of the St. Louis Blues for number one in the Central, and they'd be they'd be the second overall team in the West. Uh, where they're at right now is third in the Metro. And sixth overall in the league when it comes to points. I mean, it's just bizarre. The Metro right now, where are we at? We're at one, two. Three, four, five teams in the top ten are metropolitan teams. If you look at league-wide standings, now there's a, there's there is one caveat you can add to this. Although it works much better for the Atlantic, if the Atlantic were dominating, it would make more sense. But teams in the East get an extra game against Detroit. Um, I think the Blue Jackets get three this year, whereas if you're in the West, you get two because you get the home and away. Although if you're in the Atlantic, you get at least four. 
which at this point this the the red wings are on just just an incredible pace to to be one of the worst teams we've ever seen at least in the salary cap era but yeah as of right now the blue jackets are a 69 percent chance to make the playoffs uh, again looking at the blue jackets number is a season long number i think at the lowest point they were down in the teens almost to single digits so where they're at now is pretty incredible looking at the standings if the playoffs were to start today we would have some fun fun matchups washington would be your number one overall seed in the east they would play philadelphia in the first round Rounding out the rest of the Metro, uh, you would have Pittsburgh and Columbus in the first round. Another round of Pittsburgh, man. Oh, gosh. My heart will be able to take it. Which we're going to get to some fun stuff, or just some reflections on that. In the Atlantic, uh, Boston would host the Islanders in the first round. Yeah, so that would be an interesting series. And then the second, the other series would be Tampa, Florida. Uh, Tampa Bay versus Florida, um, which I would be ecstatic for. I would love to see a Tampa Tampa uh, series between Tampa and series <clears throat> Lightning Panthers. We'll call it that. When I say Tampa, Florida, I feel like I'm just referencing the city. So a Lightning Panthers series would be a lot of fun. Um, Columbus and Pittsburgh getting to go at it again. Oh man, I just I I, ugh, I don't know if my heart could take that. In the West, if the playoffs started today, your number one seed would be St. Louis. They would host the Calgary Flames, although the West is real stacked. It's going to be weird. Uh, rounding out the Central Division, Dallas would host Colorado, which would be fun. Uh, and then in the Pacific, Vancouver would host Arizona, and Edmonton would host Vegas, which isn't what I want. I want Edmonton-Calgary so bad in the playoffs, but uh, I don't know if it's going to happen. At this point, with the current alignment, I mean, if it were to happen, it'd have to happen in a conference final, which would be amazing, but probably won't happen. But speaking of of how stacked these conferences are right now, so in the West, in the East, we're really down to what well, we got the six six teams that lead the division. We're down to about ten teams that I think have a realistic shot to make it. Uh, other than the ones we've already mentioned, you've got Toronto and Carolina. They're each at sixty three points with fifty three games played. Um, giving you an idea of how far clear the Blue Jackets are right now. Again, nothing, I mean, we've still had a lot of games to play, so nobody's clear of anything yet. But the Blue Jackets at 54 games have 67 points. So for them to fall out of playoff contention, Toronto, in their one, they have one game in hand. So theoretically, they win that one game. That puts them at 65 points. Then they're only two points behind Columbus. But that being said... Right now, Columbus sits above the Islanders and uh, the Flyers. That lead above the Islanders is a little deceiving because the Blue Jackets are up on them by one point, but the Islanders have three games in hand. So, I mean, it would take the Islanders losing three straight, essentially, for the Blue Jackets to maintain that lead. Eh, not great odds on that. But it, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting race to the end. In the West, things are nuts. Uh, so you've got the last team in right now is Calgary with 54 games played, have 60 points. They have got the next three teams are within three points of them. And with the exception of the Winnipeg Jets, both Nashville and Chicago have games in hand. So that's not much of a lead at all. Uh, You can make the argument definitely that Minnesota is still in this thing because, yes, they're six points back, but they've got two games in hand on Calgary. So theoretically, if they win both those games in hand, which, again, you have to win them, that would put them at 58 points in 54 games, so they would only be two points back. So, I mean, it, it's one of those things where a lot of these teams still have a long way to go um, and, and a chance to really make something happen for themselves. So it'll be a fun finish to the season. 
discussing where the Blue Jacks are at currently. So the last couple games since we've talked, um, thinking about when we talked last. Did we talk on the second? Was that our? Yeah, yeah, the second there. We talked on the second, so we talked about the Canadians game. Uh, they had this game against the fly, the Panthers last night, and they. It was the kind of game where I've seen this game a lot over the years, except when Bobrovsky was on our team, where there were long periods where we got outplayed, but Bobrovsky saved it. And that's what happened in a lot of this. A lot of these games against the, the Panthers. A lot of this against the Panthers. Part of it, too, was it felt like the Blue Jackets were off just a touch on a lot of plays. Uh, when you go back, if you ever if you rewatch the game film or you watch things or you do that condensed game stuff and watch it, there were so many times where there were passes and just the guy was just a few inches off or uh, different things happened. Or like I'm thinking about that one play in front of the goal where one of the Panthers fell into Bobrovsky, knocked him over, the puck goes behind the net, Jones gets it and does a shot and just hits one of the Panthers right in the leg. I mean, it's the kind of thing where the Blue Jackets uh, could have had definitely more goals. I mean, that that's the thing. Um, the goal that got called back uh, where Cam Atkinson hit Bobrovsky's glove, and I, that is what happened there. It was the kind of thing where you're used to thinking, because there have been so many goalie interferences that have been redeemed, or so many times where they've said, oh, that isn't goalie interference, and you see the guy almost knocked over, it's kind of strange to see one where he's tapped. But in my mind, if our guy was on the other side of that, I'd want that called interference because if the goalie's reaching out with his hand and then a, uh, a stick pushes him, I'd say no. But there's also an argument to be made uh, that even if that stick doesn't hit him, maybe Bob doesn't make that save. But it just it's felt like the kind of game the Blue Jackets should win. The numbers point that out. Um, their their course before was higher than than the than the Panthers. Their expected goals for was higher, fifty seven point six one percent at five on five score and venue adjusted. So it's a it's a good. It was a very it was a good game by the Blue Jackets. Um, and, and we'll give credit to Sergei Borowski for getting the Panthers a point in that one because they they shouldn't. I mean it it's the kind of game where if the Panthers had had league average goaltending, the Blue Jackets would have probably beat them three one or three nothing. Um. So that's that's what that one was. It's it's interesting. It's good to see Bob getting back into form a little bit. Um, I think you feel like he had to relearn his game a bit. Something that's been getting talked more and more about when you listen to other sources around the league. When you watch how the Panthers play, the Blue Jackets do very much a shutdown defense. They want to push everything to the outside, and they are very good at it. The Panthers are not. The Panthers are not good at doing that. So Bob's had to kind of fix how he does things. Now, looking at the uh, something I wanted to discuss here a little bit. When you talk about the Blue Jackets and how they have been doing this season, a number that we've talked a lot about has been expected goals for. And if you all remember, there was a section of time where I was like, we're winning still, but I don't like where this number is going. And I started looking at it, and there's been something very interesting. So the Blue Jackets, where this big run from where the season started and things were rough till now, there was there have been two different point streaks. There was a 12-game point streak, and there's the current one that's at nine games. 
Now, if you're listening to a hockey podcast, I'm sure you understand the term, but I'm just going to throw it out there for people who are new. A point streak, what we mean by that is when you win a game, you get two points in the standings. If you lose in overtime, you get one point. All points are good. I mean, obviously, you want to get the two as much as you can. But a point streak is just how many games back-to-back can you get more points. Because you know what? Even if you end up uh, losing in overtime, like last night the Panthers lost in overtime, they preferred that to losing in regulation because that allowed them to get one more point. So instead of being at 63 and potentially tied with teams like Toronto and Carolina, they're at 64 and they're sitting at third in their division. But when I was talking about during those runs, I was like, oh man, our expected goals for is just not what it should be. And I was playing around and on Money Puck, they've got this great graph where you can kind of graph out the expected goals differentials for your team and get a sense of where they were at game to game. And so I was looking at it and for the first game of the point streak, the Blue Jackets in that game at 5-on-5 had an expected goals differential of 0.218 on Money Puck. Uh, And then you see that for a chunk of that, the very next game, they dropped a bit. But for the majority of that stretch then, they every game, they were either had a plus expected goals differential or in most situations, if it was, if it was lower, it was barely any lower. Um, so they stayed really well, rode that wave really well uh, until they hit um, that first game, that New Year's Eve game against the Panthers, where the Panthers outplayed him, but the Blue Jackets still won. The night Elvis showed he could really do something. And then, interestingly enough, then on January 2nd, the last game of that streak, they were at, they were even at it there. Um, then when they lost, lost in the uh, streak there, I'm making sure I'm getting my dates right on this one second. Okay, so it was January 4th, the streak ended there against San Jose. Because um, on the second, when they beat Boston in overtime, it was just about even. Uh, but then when they lost against uh, when they when they lost in, on the fourth against the uh, Sharks, it went to a negative point eight seven four expected goals for uh, expected goals differential there. But then they started winning again, uh, starting on the eleventh. They started their new point streak there because there was a period of time where they just weren't doing that well. Um, and then they started the point streak, and then for the next one, two, three, for the first four games of that point streak, their expected goals for was still negative meaning any given game at 5-on-5, five five, they were not generating better chances than the other team. And those are the games where if this team makes the playoffs by just, honestly, if they make the playoffs by 4 or 5 points, they can thank Burr's Lincolns for that stretch where he was bailing them out of things. Now that we're getting back into some of these more recent games, they've started being on the positive end of goal differentials most nights. Um, so what we're seeing is we're seeing a team that all season, when you're looking at, at graphs and different things, their expected goals differentials have been positive almost every game. And then they'll have a, some dips here and there. But they're on, on a given night, they're generating better chances than their opponents are. Um, it's just what they're doing for the most part. And when you look at this team in terms of... Uh, where they're generating these chances from again for the most part they are they are generating chances that they're 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 generating them all from uh, for the most part from from inside 
I had a I had a heat map I was going to take a quick look at here with you, but when you look at them, and I I you know I I would I would uh, encourage you all to go to I want to say it's Money Puck that's got this map that I'm looking for here, um, but to to look at the different the different maps out there the heat maps when it comes to shooting, and what you'll see is a lot of a lot of red for the Blue Jackets right in what we've right in that area in front of the net and and below the dots or right in between the dots and you'll see that for the most part that's where they're getting shots in and that their opponents are taking a lot of shots from the outside and that's really where this team's been been uh making their money and through for that plan of span of time where the other team was getting a bet a higher um a higher uh um, higher shooting or higher expected goals for in, in terms of their making better shots and better chances. That's where Elvis Mers Lincoln's came in to save the day. Elvis Mers Lincoln's right now, when you're talking about goals saved above expected, he is seventh in the league at 4.53. If you're talking about goals saved above average, he is fourth in the league at 14.4, which is incredible. He is having an amazing season. It, it's incredible really what he's doing. And it's the kind of thing where I don't know if he's going to get uh, consideration for the Calder. And what I think happened with the Calder in a lot of people's minds is Kale McCarr had that real hot start to the season, and people just got stuck in their heads that that was our that was the Calder winner. You gotta wonder, especially depending on how the rest of the season plays out, if Elvis Mers Lincoln is going to make that conversation interesting because he is being great right now so we'll see where that goes uh i'm i'm very excited to see what he's going to keep doing a couple other things as we're wrapping up the show uh tonight um elliot friedman in his 31 thoughts column mentioned that i want to say he said there were 14 scouts in columbus uh for the game against florida expecting to see or hoping to see uh josh anderson uh, and he said, I was sadly he didn't play. Hopefully they got to check out the North Market, which was a nice little throw in by him. Uh, it's interesting to see that many teams interested. 15 teams, about 15 teams worth of scouts. Because it would suggest that when teams are, teams are probably calling Yarmo and he's not immediately saying no. Which in my mind makes me think, okay, there hasn't been this conversation with, the, with, with Josh Anderson's representation yet about yep we definitely want to stay here long term and, and maybe it's just Yarmo you always take every call and because he is people are interested and, and we've talked about it here if there's a trade to be made that makes this team better you know both in the short term but but really you know in the next two to three years I would take it um, that would be my take on what to do there so it's interesting to see how this is going to develop we'll see as we get closer to the trade deadline how that's actually going to go but I'm I'm feeling pretty good about where they are right now with things, uh, and again we've discussed this. If the Blue Jackets make no moves, I'm fine with that. This is a team that's just been building for a long time, has been one of the youngest teams in the league for a long time. If they just want to stamp hat for a year and just let this year be the, about the team building and getting better through experience, I am all aboard with that option. All aboard with it. Well, I want to thank you guys very much for very much for listening. Um, Looking forward to the the coming up games this week. There's a back to back this weekend. Uh, didn't remember off the top of my head who they were playing. Let's take a quick look. 
All right, so this weekend we've got a uh, Friday night against Detroit and then a Saturday night against Colorado. It's a back-to-back, which isn't great, but it's a back-to-back where you're at home for both games. So if you're going to get them, this isn't a bad way to do it. So thank you very much for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoy the games coming up, and go Jackets. This has been the Shoot Once Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Shoot Once Pod.